You are listening to the How to Talk to Girls podcast, where you'll learn step by step how to meet and seduce beautiful women. Women, whether you're looking for one night of fun, a week long fling, or a long term relationship. I'm your host, Trip, and the episode starts now. Hello and welcome to the How to Talk to Girls podcast. Another episode coming at ya with an interview with uh, Miss. And well, actually, she just got married, so it's no longer Miss, it's Mrs., but still her name is Diana Mandel, relationship dating coach, and a good friend of mine, too. And a good friend. She's very smart, and we catch up every once in a while. And when we do, we always talk about good stuff. And I'm always like, oh man, like this has got to be on a podcast episode. That's the fun thing about being a dating coach. You talk to your friends who are also your colleagues, and you're like, oh, man, you're getting the deep conversations, talking about cool stuff regarding relationships, regarding dating, attraction, and you're like, why can't this be recorded right now? People would love this. So we were talking the other day. I said, you know what? Stop right there. Whatever you're about to tell me, let's save this for an episode on the How to Talk to Girls podcast. And a couple of days later, boom, we did an interview, and I have it recorded for you to hear today. So Whether you're here because you're in a relationship, looking for a relationship, or you're not even sure, but you're just curious about the episode, welcome. I think this is going to be very helpful for you. Diana goes over a really cool exercise and some really cool practical, tangible stuff that you could use to have an awesome relationship. And if that's what you're looking for, like I said, you're in the right place. But either way, you're going to get some good information here. So we're going to get into that in just a bit. Uh, Just so you know, coaching is still available to you. If you want to do any one-on-one coaching with me, all you got to do is go to coachedbytrip.com. Again, that's coachedbytrip.com. When you go to that URL, you will see an application where you apply. I do not accept everyone onto the program because I I have to sift through the applications and see if you're going to be a good fit. I got to see if you're, first of all, over 18, and I got to make sure that you're filling it out in a way where I feel like I can help you. And if I feel like I can help you, you're going to get a personal email from me where you and I sign up for a call together, and we go over if coaching is going to be, in fact, a good fit for you. We get on a call every single week, and I coach you through the whole process of meeting and attracting women that's customized to you. So if you're looking for fast results, if you've been hearing this announcement and you're like, okay, I'm going to finally do this, then do it because coaching really generates amazing results. Anyone who ends up signing up for coaching gets results. I make sure that I stop at nothing to make sure that you are confident with women, that you are dating the types of women that you want, having the type of dating life that you want. We will do it and I will help you. So go to coachedbytrip.com. But for now, here is my interview with Diana. You're going to get some good stuff here. So Diana and I talk about what it means to have a long-lasting and healthy relationship. Here it is. Hey, Diana. How you doing? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I am fantastic. We're recording this on a Friday, late afternoon. I'm here in Chicago, not a cloud in the sky. Maybe there's five, but they're far away. And you're in New Jersey. Yes. And you just bought a home recently. Yes. And it probably way, is... Thank you. Yeah, I'm very excited. It is not nice here. It is not warm and it is not sunny. It was raining most of the day. So it's funny that our Weather is very different over here. Than oh, you. don't you love the small talk we're bantering right now? This is great. 
<laughs> Nothing like the small talk weather talk that I do. <laughs> yeah, it's like a first date no-no. <laughs> oh, yes, it sure is. It's like you get out, you, get, you go on a first date and the first thing you're like, man, how about that weather, huh? It's warmer, <laughs> it's colder, it's always colder, warmer. We're so happy that it's always warmer, whatever it is. <laughs> Lame. All right, let's get into the real stuff. You've been on my podcast before and I think it was probably well over a year ago you were on the podcast and I actually don't remember what we talked about. Do you remember what we talked about? Yeah, we talked about ghosting. Oh yeah, that's right. We talked about ghosting. Oh yeah, that was a, that was a good episode. Yeah. Okay, now it's all coming back together. Now I even remember where, where I recorded it. Yeah, we talked about ghosting. And now we're going to take it a step further than that. It's like, okay, what if no one ghosts? And you get into a relationship and you talk, I mean, well, you talk about relationships, you talk about dating, and you're going to be speaking about that today. We'll be talking and having a conversation about relationships. But first, maybe tell the guys why they should listen to you. Why do you have such great information and, and who the heck are you? So I have been in the dating space for about seven years now. And before that, I went to undergrad and grad school for psychology and psychotherapy and then started my business in the dating and relationship space specifically. actually started working with men first and then expanded to working with women and couples. So I'm kind of all across the board now. And I love what I do. And again, like I started with men. Men are like, you know, my people. I still have more clients that are men. And I work with a lot of really good guys and help them find and keep really great relationships with women and have them really understand like who women are and what women really like and what turns them on and what attracts them. And yeah, that's, that's me in a nutshell. And you also have a, you have a master's degree? Yes, I do. What's that in? So I'm a psychotherapist. So it's in social work. I went to Fordham for that. I'm that surprised was- I had to pry that out of you. I think that's something <laughs> that you should, you should say. I mean, not that that you need to be one, but I think it's just extra special because not a lot of people, including myself in this space, have master's degrees or doctorates. So to have one, I think is a pretty cool thing. Yeah, totally. Totally. You're not even happy about it. No, no, I, I really am. I mean, I was in school for six and a half years for what I do. And I think it's incredibly important. I think, I mean, we don't, we're not going into this conversation, but I think the coaching world needs some kind of help, I think, with expertise and to, and to call yourself an expert, I think sometimes is questionable. Experience is huge. But I also think when it comes to you know the mind and why we do certain things and kind of a little bit of detail behind all of it makes a lot more sense and becomes a little bit more cohesive that way. So it's definitely absolutely. a big part of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's great. So we're talking about relationships yes. on this episode. I don't do too many relationship episodes. I probably should do more just because I have so much information on my podcast about dating and everything surrounding that. But you know, eventually, if you're listening to the episodes or you're just going out there and you're making it work for yourself, you're going to land in a relationship. And so you probably want to know, and I think I maybe have a couple of episodes sort of related to this, but we're going to get a different viewpoint about how to have relationship that actually lasts. You know, I'm just going to take a wild guess if there's any guys out there listening that are interested in getting into a relationship. I'm sure it's something that they want to last as long as, you know, they're still interested in the woman and the woman is still interested in them, you know, how do you make it 
So it's a thriving relationship. And you were saying something before we started that was very interesting. I said, yeah, we'll talk about maybe when you've been in a relationship for many years and you get in a rut. And then you replied, you said, no, because even just being a year in or a few months in, people seem to get bored or want to move on. So it's not just about how do you keep it thriving in your later years, but from the moment it starts, right? 100%. And as you said, I think a lot of people think of like old, crusty, you know, married people who are like 60, you know, they're like empty nesters that need to kind of figure it out once the kids leave. But really, you need to figure it out immediately and kind of set the precedence so that not every day is that routine kind of boring thing in every single part of the relationship because that's it's just going to bleed into everything. Where not only do we, do we tend to become routine in just our everyday lives and even a bit robotic sometimes, but then we also get that way in our relationships as well. And so it ends up really boring and I don't want to know what's happening you know, in the next moment. I want my relationship to be even keel and smooth. But I don't want every detail, everything to be like, I know exactly what happens. And I think for a lot of us, we think first and foremost, sort of like passion and sex going sort of out the window. Like even that, I don't want to have become a pattern for anyone where, you know, exactly what's going to happen next. You you guys do the same exact things, same positions. You guys have the same conversations, you have the same places, you know, to go out on date nights. Like you need to start changing that pretty much immediately for a ton of different reasons, which we can get into if you want. But it's so necessary to start the diversity right away. Why do you think routine happens? Why do you think people who are in relationships get into routine? And I don't think a routine starts for maybe, I don't know, four months, five months. I mean, if that, it could start later, of course. But at the earliest, probably three or four months. Yeah, I think you guys just kind of get into routine. It's comfortability. It's kind of expectations. I think because we have such a routine in our own lives, just independent of that, where we tend to like get up, go to work. You and I obviously have our own businesses, but either way, we're also still going to work, even if it's five feet from our bedroom. We're still going to work, and then you work, and then you have dinner, and then you go to sleep. And you know, it's kind of a rinse and repeat type of situation. And we only really have our weekends to kind of explore and do what we want to do and change up the kind of monotony a bit. So I feel like we're so used to having routines and we also had them since we were young. I mean, we were told exactly what to do. Basically, till we were 18, we'd go to school every day and our parents kind of told us what to do. So I think it's that routine type of thing that kind of bleeds in. But I also think that's one piece that's kind of the life part. But then the other part of it is really just the idea of being in a routine. Like you get comfortable with someone and you tend to start doing the same things. Like watching you know, Netflix together, like having dinner, watching Netflix, you know, and then possibly being sexual or not, and then going to bed, repeat, 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 repeat. And especially when you live together, that's even more so where routine is like very... You don't even realize it, but it can happen very, very quickly where you kind of have your roles. Maybe he cooks, maybe she cooks, you know, maybe he bakes, you do that. You know, it's like you both have kind of like your roles. You go into them and boom, you're like nine, 10 months in and you're kind of doing the same thing every day. And I think probably laziness is a big part of it, right? Yeah, definitely. 100%. I think it's easy. You don't have to think about it. It's kind of comfortable. It's there. It's something you can rely on. You don't have to put effort or work or energy into it. And I find that we all work, especially now, harder than we ever have. A lot of people are expected, especially when you work for someone else, to end up taking two or three people's roles in the way that we didn't previously. Nine to five almost like doesn't exist anymore. I feel like now it's kind of more eight to like seven or you know, kind of bleeds 
longer. So then we come home, we don't want to have to do more work. And a relationship is effort and it is work and it is dedication. And so a lot of people, once they get home, are like turned off, done, that's it, it's over. They're kind of out of gas, but yet, you know, that's where your personal life needs some, you know, igniting and some work. And a lot of us just kind of don't have a lot left, something that we don't want to. It's that you literally sort of have, you're depleted. You know what I mean? You kind of have nothing left. You're exhausted. So creating and making that space and that energy and really tuning into each other and keeping things new and fresh and checking in with each other is really important. So that again, you're not kind of doing the same thing over and over and over. Every you, day you pay the price for it too. I mean, you can be lazy, but what ends up happening is laziness will get you into the routine and it's going to bite you in the ass later on. Something's going to happen. You're going to get bored. She's going to get bored. It's going to cause resentment, which is going to lead to fights. Anything in life, no matter what you're trying to do, if you're trying to optimize an area of your life, relationships, your career, maybe going to the gym, your health, whatever it is, the truth is this. Here's the truth bomb is that it's always going to be consistent work. And at some points, it's going to be hard work, but it's always going to be consistent work if you want to successfully optimize any sort of area. So in this particular case, what are we talking about? We're talking about relationships. So yeah, you know, it, it's very easy to fall into the routine. It's like, oh, okay, you know, it's good. We have a routine. Everything's fine. Everything seems okay. You get a little bit lazy. And it seems like, oh, you know, I don't need really to work at this because it seems like we're already there. Like we hit the point. Like we hit that point where, boom, you know, she likes me. I like her. But really, the reality is, is you got to continue to attract them or else the attraction dies. And it's not like you have to do something crazy every single day or every day has to be something spontaneous. The good news is, in, in my opinion, at least, and maybe you can speak to this, Diana, is that. It's okay to have a routine and then you just like spice it up every once in a while, but you just got to make sure you're doing that. And when I say spice it up, that could be in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. That could be just on a whim, just taking her out on a date. Hopefully, by the way, she's working on it too. And hopefully she's doing something. You know, one day you come home and she, I don't know, cooks your favorite meal or she brought you a gift or something like that, or you plan a spontaneous trip. It's like things that don't have to happen every day, but maybe once a week, maybe once every two weeks. A little, I think, goes a long way when it comes to spicing things up and getting out of that monotony and that routine, which we're talking about is the killer of a long-lasting relationship. What do you think? I totally agree. And I think at least once a week, if not more on my end, and I don't want it to feel like it's kind of like homework or something to really stress about. But I think in some way, in some part of your routine, specifically when you live together, but even when you don't, because often we're not living together, we're still probably seeing you know each other what four nights a week, maybe. You know, we tend to start doing that, and so because there's so many areas of your relationship, it's really cool to kind of change something up. You know, kind of generally on the regular, especially not doing the same thing every night. So let's say you watch like the same type of shows every single night you know, having the same type of food, like there's so many things to change up. So even the activities that you do at night, like let's say you have dinner, maybe don't watch TV right after, like go for a walk or like go out to a fun place or go see, you know, some of your friends or have like a fun game night. Like there's a lot of cool things to do, whether you're in or you're out. They're just kind of different for the two of you to experience. And you get to kind of know each other in a slightly different way. You're constantly learning even after years. 
So I look at it at least once a week, if not more, do something that's out of routine, even if just kind of like a small tweak. It doesn't need to be, as you said, some huge, you know, grandiose gesture, but just something that's a little more spontaneous, a little bit different, a little bit out of the ordinary, just to kind of break things up and not have that kind of boring type of feeling. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's good. And then you said something earlier, and I want to talk about this too, mm-hmm. is that you, know, you want to check in with the person. You want to check in and see what's going on. You and I were on the phone a couple of days ago. This is how I decided to do this episode. Was You started to tell me about a really cool exercise that you could do, which most couples are definitely not doing. And it's a way mm-hmm. of opening up the doors of communication to check in with each other so that you guys are on the same page, that you guys are talking about what's going on. Because here's why that, you know, the old cliche line is, oh, communication is key, right? They say communication is key. You know, communication is most important. It's like, okay, great, great. But why? Well, why is that? Because when you talk about things and talk about the things that need to be talked about, which could be anything, how you're feeling about her or the relationship, how she feels about things that are going on, it's going to happen no matter what. This is, this is the thing. It's like, you're going to talk about things now, or it's going to come up maybe months or hopefully not years later because you're building up so much in your head that eventually it explodes out. And that's how a lot of things happen is fights will happen out of nowhere, like in the middle of a grocery store, you know, where you just like decided to pick something up to put in the cart and she got mad because you weren't listening. And it's like, wait a minute, is she really mad about that or is it something else? And it becomes this whole big fight because you guys weren't communicating and sharing the things that you guys needed to talk about. So this exercise is a way to kind of like release the tension in a way and check in, right? 100%. And I think what happens is maintenance for people in relationships is not sexy. Maintenance. That's that's a good word. I like that word. Maintenance. Yeah. Everything needs maintenance, right? Your car, body, your relationship, everything. It has to be preventative. And I, the way that I equate it to my single clients and my couple of clients is when you're not doing that preventative type of work, it's almost as if you never go to the doctor until, you know, let's say you're 55 years old and all of a sudden you're having a heart attack and it's like, oh my God, save my life, you know, I'm dying. And it's like, well, if you went to the doctor every year and did the tests that you were supposed to and, you know, ate regularly and like healthy and, and all of that, and sort of had that check in, you probably wouldn't be having that heart attack. And that's what happens to me, or most of the couples that come to me kind of are at the point of like hating each other. And they're like, okay, fix this. We want to, you know, kill each other. And it's like, well, why weren't you here like years ago when things were like, yeah, maybe they're little small things that you kind of saw, but it didn't seem, I guess, at that point, drastic enough to actually reach out and get help. And so a lot of people will say, you know, people, before marriage, who see someone as like a dating coach, well, that's really weird. Like, what's wrong with your relationship? Like, I think it's such a beautiful thing to do. It makes a lot of sense because, again, especially before you get married to someone, you want to make sure like everything's out in the open. Like, you both know what you're getting yourselves into. You kind of ironed out anything that's come up and that you're really on the same page. So, that's kind of the point of this exercise is. Again, about prevention, about maintenance, about let's nip something in the bud now before it becomes this huge monster where right now it's just this little small thing. And with a few tweaks, it's like done, it's over, and we can move on and like be happy. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. So then how do you do it? And how does it work? And when should you do it? What's all the, what's all the great details of it? And guys, listen, guys who are listening right now, 
who aren't in relationships, I just want to give you a pat on the back here because you're listening to this where I know it's not needed now, but this is something that you're listening to now and you're kind of aware of it. You might not remember it, but you'll know to come back to this. Or hopefully you do remember it when you do enter a relationship. So I just hope that there's people listening right now who are not necessarily in the serious relationship and are still listening because they want to prevent this. So listen up, take notes. I mean, honestly, you know, if you're here and you still haven't met a girl yet, this is still going to be very important for you and you can take something away with it. So yeah, let's let's keep moving. I just wanted to, to chime in there. Yeah, I actually completely agree. And just to piggyback on that, I tell all of my single clients to do that because you really never know when you're going to find someone. It could be at any point. Often it is very spontaneous and random. And if you don't have the skills and the ability to keep the relationship, it's not going to work. And you can find a really amazing woman and then again, it's always about finding, finding, finding. But then when you find her, you forget about the second half of it, which is you know equally, if not more important, is about keeping her. Because you can throw anyone in someone's lap, but if you don't know how to keep the relationship, you're in trouble. So even if you're single, in my opinion, it's equally as important to know this because you don't know when you're not going to be single. And hearing this now sort of allows you and sort of preps you and primes you to really have that relationship whenever that happens. Exactly. Cool. Okay. So it's something that I coined the couple's check-in. And it's something that I really would like to see you do once a month at minimum. So if you only do once a month, that's cool. At times, maybe at the beginning, you'd want to do it maybe twice a month. I wouldn't necessarily do it more than that. That might be overkill. But really check to see you know, what kind of works for both of you. But communication is really important. And even more so at the beginning, when you haven't really set boundaries or expectations, you don't necessarily know each other as well. So once a month for like real, you know, established couples, and then probably twice a month, I would say for couples that are kind of newly navigating kind of the the relationship. So what it is, is you come with a pen and paper and you sit down where there's no distractions. It's completely quiet. Phone is off, TV off, everything off. You two are by yourselves. You check in with each other. One person starts first, doesn't matter who. You can always alternate where, like, maybe the guy starts first and then the next time the girl does, doesn't really matter. The first person is going to mention first the positives that they see in the relationship. Even if it seems very obvious to you, it may not be obvious, let's say, to her. So there's two reasons why you want to do this. It's important for the other person to know what makes you happy. So there's times when they do things where, again, they think it's kind of like not the big of a deal. But you may find it really, you know, it really moved you. It was really important to you. It really meant something to you. It was very cool for you, whatever it is. And then the second part of, and you'll obviously just get more of what you want. So that's amazing. And then the second part is that it makes people less defensive for the constructive criticism, which is coming next. So it kind of eases, you know, people down a little bit. It gets you in sort of like, a happier, more positive mood so that when the constructive criticism comes, you're not as defensive, you're not as, you know, kind of pushed back on some of those things. And then next you get into the constructive criticism part. So you mentioned what needs improvement. You want to do this really kindly. There's no shouting, there's no fighting. That's not what this is about. You're just really expressing exactly how you feel. And in both categories of, you know, it's going really well and then what needs improvement, you know, it could be, you know, a few things each. It could be 10 things. It doesn't really matter. It's really what's coming up for you. What would be an example of something someone might say? So guys know where to go Um, with this. So in a positive route or constructive criticism or both? All of it. Let's do all of it. 
Sure. So in a positive, let's say, you know, when you asked me when you were making breakfast, if I wanted some, that actually really meant a lot to me. So again, to you, it's like, I'm just kind of being nice, but maybe no guy had ever asked for that before. And for whatever reason, it just really touched her. Or maybe you brought home, you know, like you went, I don't know, to a bakery with your family, let's say, and then you picked up a cupcake for her in her favorite color, something like that, right? On like some random night and just brought her back a cup. You'd be like, hey, you know, I was thinking of you and here's a cupcake. It'd be the smallest things that again, you think it's like not that big of a deal, but for her, it just really meant something. For a lot of women in particular, these little kind of small gestures really mean something because to her, it's like, wow, he really thought of me and he really cares. And action means a lot more to women generally than words do because words, you can kind of say anything. Actions really show whether the words are backed up or not. So don't lose out on those small things. So something like that. Obviously, the bigger things are, you know, kind of obvious, like you know, that amazing birthday party you threw for me, or you know, that really amazing, you know, nice dinner we went to, or that show we went to. Those are a little bit more obvious, so it's still important to share. But it's those kind of little minute details that you can tend to just be like, eh, whatever, no biggie. But to her, it really touched her and meant something to her. And then let's say for criticism, it could be something like, you know, yesterday you had mentioned something about you know, going somewhere with your family. And I didn't really feel included in on that. Sort of what was the deal with that? You know what I mean? Like, did you not want me to be a part of it? What was going on there? So it could be tend to be something that just sort of sits with you and doesn't feel that great where your feelings were hurt. And most likely it probably was not on purpose, but it's something that just sort of doesn't feel great to you. Something someone said, something someone did. Let's think of another example. Let's say, oh, here's a good one. Let's say you and I are in a relationship and I had a girl's night, you know, a few nights ago. And I told you that I was going to call you or text you and just kind of check in. And I totally forgot to, you know, and when you had mentioned something after, like, okay, I thought you were going to contact me and it just kind of, kind of blew you off, let's say, or didn't think it was that big of a deal, at least on my end, where you were not necessarily sort of the jealous aspect, but you were kind of worried about me. And you, you know, I said I would do something and I didn't do it. So you can not only mention that you didn't really like that I didn't contact you like I said I would, but then also when you had brought it up, I kind of wasn't that nice about it. You know, and I was, I was basically dismissing your feelings. So let's say that happens. Sure. And this is like, this happens like two days after you guys already had your check-in. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, what do you do? Do you wait that for another two weeks to bring it up and just kind of like write it down and keep it inside? Or do you still have try to have those conversations? Like, where do you draw the line of, okay, no, we'll, I'll wait to bring this up on our check-ins that we're doing or something that's like, no, this is really kind of bugging me. Like, I want to bring this up now. Do you wait? Do you not wait? Like, what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? So I think that's a really great question. And I have a 24-hour rule where you have 24 hours basically to sit on something. I know some dating coaches who have 48 hours. I just think two days is sort of too long to sit in misery where you're upset about something and they have no clue. You know, we're spending two days of your life kind of sitting on something. I just think it's a real waste. So for me, I feel like you have 24 hours from the incident to say something. So when it comes to the check-in specifically, you could say, oh, well, what does that do then? You know what I mean? Like, what's the point of that then at that point? So the good things are important because you're not really always telling you know, someone how moved you are or how you know wonderful something they did was. But when it comes to the critical part, it's kind of looking at things from a macro level as opposed to a micro level. Micro is a smaller view. Macro is a larger view. 
And so you want to be looking at a larger view because the micro is happening sort of as things happen within those sort of 24-hour bounds. Because generally, like, let's say something happened earlier today and then tonight I'm going to sleep and it's just like, I'm sitting on it and I'm like not into it, you know? So the next morning I should say something. So you have that sort of 24-hour span. But when it comes to being in this like couples check-in moment, it's more about looking at things in general of those either two weeks or a month, whatever it is between each time that you're doing this is. And then you want to sort of share like a few things that have gone on. Like even if it's something that you brought up, it's not to bring it up again per se, but it's more about, you know, some of these little things that happen, you don't even necessarily need to bring up that specific thing, but you could say you feel a little bit dismissed at times and maybe they ask for details, maybe they don't, but you can share, you know, sort of what you want to have happen moving forward, not necessarily bring up all the stuff, you know, from that month. So when you say that I am being dismissive of you, what exactly is making you feel that way? You know what I mean? Like, or what can I be doing differently? Right? You don't need to go over what did happen. Like you feel this way already. We're here. What can we do differently moving forward now where when we do our next check-in, we're not having the same situation and the same conversation? Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I want to talk about that 24-hour rule. Please. You say you wait 24 hours. You sit with it for 24 hours to see if it's something that still is really bothering you. No. So actually you have 24 hours to mention it to them. So within 24 hours of something that happened, even if it feels sort of little to you, it's still something that's kind of gnawing at you. You want to see something within 24 hours. Does that make sense now? Yes. Why? Why do you want to say something? What if you don't? Sure. So the reason why it's important to say something is if you don't, let's go the other way, they're never going to know what works for you. Dating is about sort of navigating through and basically taking someone's hand and being like, this is what I need to be happy. This is what works for me. What works for you? And it's going to be very different. And if you don't do that, people are either going to guess as to what you like, where you know, you're basically going off of what someone else maybe likes, like maybe your ex, or you're doing what you think that they would want in your position, which makes it really difficult because men and women are very different and just us as human beings are very different. So basically, you're either guessing or giving someone what you think that they would want, and neither are really that great. So you think you're putting in effort and energy and everything. They're getting upset because she's not getting what she needs. So you're basically just both frustrated. You're kind of like two ships in a night, like completely like missing each other. You kind of see each other, but then you miss each other. So you're both really working, and she's expecting, and you're working, and you're not meeting you know, in the same place. So frustration and resentment is going to have happened. So whether you've been together for six months or whether you've been together for 26 years, you guys need to be speaking to each other and sharing when you're happy, when you're sad. It's both because I think often it's when we're upset about something, but the good stuff needs to happen too. The praise has to happen also. Just like we do with children, you know, when they do something great, you want to recognize that. When they do something not so great, you want to share that, mention it, and say like that can't happen again. And this is what needs to happen instead. So you're basically teaching each other and giving each other the tools, the room, the time to really sit and speak and share about what's going on because neither of us are psychic. And again, you're really kind of going on what you think makes sense or what you think you should do. But that doesn't necessarily mean that works for this person or that it works for anyone in that you know, regard. Does that make sense? Right. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, the praising is huge. We don't tend to do that because we're more inclined to speak when we're in pain mm-hmm. than when we're in pleasure. That's why we end up usually saying the things to our partners that we're annoyed with or upset about 
rather than being all crazy about like, hey, I really liked when you did that. We just don't think about that because as humans, we try to move away from pain. And that's a, a greater emotion than trying to keep pleasure. And another thing that I find happen a lot, partially why I think we don't give praise, it's exactly what you said. And I think it's also that we tend to give praise to our significant other, to other people. You know, to our friends, to our family, you know, to even you know people we network with, whoever it is, we tend to talk about them in a really sort of kind, sweet, adorable way. But they're not there to hear that. So while you sort of think you are praising them, it's not necessarily to them directly. It's about them that they never necessarily hear. It's nice when occasionally you'll hear someone say, "Oh, you know, like, that's so funny. It's so nice to meet you. You know, I've heard such great things about you." And maybe they'll share like a cute, funny story. But that doesn't happen all the time. You can't bank on that happening. So we're talking about people and not to people. And that happens all the time, both from a parent perspective. You hear that a lot with kids where they're not getting validated either, where they're telling other parents and all that. And it happens in relationships all the time as well. It's interesting, right? That's really interesting. That's really interesting. I didn't really think about it that way. So but it happens all the time. And so to tell me more, do we miss anything or do we kind of complete the exercise here? Yeah. So, so there's a little bit more. You're first you know, mentioning the positive. You are mentioning the constructive criticism. And again, when you're mentioning the improvement part, you're being really kind to each other. There is no you know, defensiveness, accusing. There's nothing like that. And then you review at the end what you heard. So the person who's listening... You then will say, so you said, you know, ABC, you're taking notes the whole time. So you're saying, you know, the good stuff was ABC. The things that need improvement is DEF. Do I have that right? Because there's also at times where you hear something one way, but they're saying something different. So you want to make sure that you're both on the same page in terms of exactly what was said. And then the next person goes and repeats the same process. And then when you guys meet up again, whether that's two weeks later or a month later, depending on really, you know, whatever your, what your preference is, then you see how you both did in that month. You know, like this was so much better. I really appreciate that. This, I feel like it still used a little bit of work. I know you're working on it, but I did feel in this month, you know, blah, blah, blah happened. And I'm still seeing it in some areas. You know, like, can we talk about this a little bit? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Man, this seems tough. No, but you know what? It's really not. It's actually, I know it sounds kind of dorky, but it's actually a lot of fun. And I do this with my husband and I did it really from the beginning of our relationship. And to be honest, it's not always the most fun conversations in the world, but it's super constructive. You can at least say that. And every single time you do it, it almost gets easier where there's less to talk about. So the first few times, it may feel a bit overwhelming because you've never done it before and you've never probably been completely honest with each other. And by the way, that's a good point. This is completely the time to not hold back. Again, you're not shitting on your partner and you're not just kind of throwing everything you can imagine at them, but you are being really open and honest. And this is you giving them the recipe to what makes you happy and vice versa. If you really care about this person and you want to make this work, especially in a long-term situation, this is not something that you do a few times. You're like, okay, I'm done. That's it. We don't, you know, we know each other. We're good. Like we've been together for years and we're still doing this. And it's necessary to have that time to really, you know, block things out, sit down. And you're talking about every single part of your life, you know, how what's happening mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, all of that. Because again, you're two different people from two different places, generally who grew up very differently, 
we're talking about heterosexual couples here. So, you know, there's two different genders. I mean, there's no way that you're going to know exactly what works for this person until they tell you. And I think we have a lot of shame around that where we feel like on both ends, well, you know, he slash she should just know exactly what works. But that's not realistic. Like we're sort of clueless in a lot of ways, regardless of how much relationship experience we've really had. So it may feel like really taxing and a lot, but it's a lot worse when you're fighting all the time, wanting to rip each other's heads off and really just missing each other where you could end up in a relationship, but because you're not doing this work, you know, you just see a lot of clashing happening. But a lot of these couples aren't even trying, you know what I mean, to really understand each other and give each other what you need. So in a lot of ways, it's a lot less effort because I know exactly what works for you and you know exactly what works for me. And it's a lot more pointed that way instead of, again, guessing or thinking things over for 40 minutes. So like, would she like this? Does she want this? Does this annoy her? You know, there's a lot less questions. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? It takes a really big person to step in and do this. Like, 100%. You know, it's going to be tough at first for sure, but you'll get used to it. But it's going to be tough to sit there and tell someone something that you're upset about. And it's going to be tough to sit there and hear something that you did wrong, right? We have egos that we're trying to always preserve, which means that we don't want to be wrong because then we'll feel crappy about ourselves. But don't see it as something that's wrong with you. It's just something that you know you need improvement on, right? We're not perfect. You're not going to be perfect. You're not expected to be perfect. So try to look at it in the way that you kind of said more as a fun way and be like, okay, this is going to be maybe a little tough to hear, but it's going to be a really great opportunity to be able to be a better person and just be awesome. And who knows how far it can take you. Maybe she's going to say something that you did that you realize you do in your friendships or with other people. And then now you can take this into other areas of your life. I mean, it's really, it can go pretty far. 100%. And it's, it's important because especially with the constructive feedback that you get, you don't realize because we, we obviously don't do this you know, with our friends particularly. We do it more so in relationships, but even then that's lacking. But it's interesting because there's times where I've gotten feedback and I'm like, yeah, it stings, it hurts a little, but it doesn't mean that you know, someone's saying you're not enough or you're not a good person. I mean, you're doing the same thing with them. There's always things that could be improved upon. It's not a personal attack. It's important to go to this place. And there's times where I've sat down with you know, the notes and the feedback and I've thought like, you know, do I feel like I do this in other areas with other people? So it's exactly what you're talking about, where it's a really good exercise to basically grow in general. Because assuming you know it's your relationship with this person, yes, it's a romantic relationship, but it's still a relationship. And we have a relationship with our families and our friends and our coworkers and you know people who work for us. And we have relationships with a lot of people. So it's possible that it bleeds into other parts of your life. It's just an interesting growing learning lesson from someone who really, in theory, knows you best and is closest to you. And it's the same idea where it's funny, like what popped into my head before I do a lot of like metaphors and analogies to kind of make my points to my clients. It's the same thing where, you know, basically I say to you, you know, can you make me chocolate chip cookies? It's my favorite. And you don't have a recipe. Like, what are you doing? Like you're kind of taking like a few things that you think maybe chocolate chip cookies have in it and kind of throwing it together. This way, I give you an exact thing. You know what I mean? An exact you know, ingredient list and a printout of exactly what to do step by step. It's so much easier. Just follow the recipe. It's the same idea with this couples check-in type of exercise. It's just a great way to get to know who this person is. And it's also important too, because especially in the beginning of your relationship, you're really getting to know this person and what their wants and needs are. And can you give this to them? They're entitled to feel and have whatever they want, but that doesn't mean that I can give it to you or vice versa. So once you now know this person's recipe, the next question really becomes, 
Like, am I okay with this? Can I give this? Am I able to give this? And really vice versa, you know, on her end as well. Same idea, you know, do, do I want this? Can I receive this? Can I give this to this person? Can I make them happy? You know, it doesn't always necessarily mean that you can. And it's not, you know, a knock on either of you. It just doesn't necessarily always work. And that you figure out faster this way too when you're having open and honest conversations with each other about what you want and need. Right, exactly. And if you can do it, I mean, you'll see. You know, don't let us tell you. I mean, really try it out for yourself when you get into a relationship or maybe you're in one right now, bring it up to her. What do you think? And uh, this will be the last question here and then we can wrap up yeah. is what is a good way to bring this up to your partner? You know, do you tell them like, hey, I listened to this podcast or and I, and I found this exercise or how do you start this conversation to do the exercise? Sure. So there's a bunch of different avenues and I'll give a couple of different ideas. The best answer and then we can get more sort of detailed in it. But the best answer is really whatever makes you comfortable. You can say, you know, you heard it from a friend. You can say you heard it on a podcast. You can say you read it. It doesn't really matter. You know, it's up to you. I would be honest and say that I was listening to a really great guy's podcast. And I heard this really cool, you know, exercise. I'd love to try it out. Let's do this. You know, this is what the steps are. Like, this is cool. Let's try this. I think it's really big on you know self-development and self-improvement. And I think it's a really cool thing. So I would personally say where I really heard it. But if you truly feel uncomfortable and that's fair, then say, you know, you heard it from a friend or you know on the radio or a show, or you know, you heard it from somewhere. Um, you can be a little bit more, you know, loose with it and then say, you know, kind of invite your partner to to try it. So it's pretty cool. I love it. I love it. If guys want to work with you, Diana, and they want to get some help in this area, how can they reach out to you? So there's a couple of different ways. Probably the best way is dianamandel.com. I'm on Instagram. I have a Facebook group, all that kind of stuff. But the best thing probably is my website because that shows a lot about who I am, the press I've had, you know, some blog stuff, some info, and, and some other cool goodies on there. Cool. Cool. I'm going to put that link in the show notes so guys can find you and and uh, connect with you if they need any help. Thank you. I learned something. I learned a lot. This was an awesome interview with some really good practical stuff to you. So thank you for coming on a second time and talking about relationships. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Okay. Well, guys, go check her out. Diana, thanks again. And uh, I'm sure we'll have you back in the future because we talk all the time anyways. And, uh, <laughs> I just see it happening. So till the next time. <laughs>